Thank you for joining the podcast. I do realize there are so many options available and the fact that you chose to listen to this podcast means a lot to me. My name is Sharon Feckety. I am the host of the Dr. Whisperer Show. I am also the founder of the Dr. Whisperer. So basically, I am the Dr. Whisperer. We are going to navigate through the business of medicine together. We're going to feature some doctors, some healthcare attorneys, some patients, some practice managers, people that will help you navigate through this industry. So thanks for joining us. If you are enjoying the podcast and you think somebody else could benefit from it, share it with them or write a review or both. Thanks again. 2021, we're coming for you and we're going to get through this together. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am very, very grateful to bring you Clara Reynolds, who is the CEO and president of the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay. So I'm very, very honored to have you here today. Thank you so much, Clara. Say hello to the audience. Hi, everybody. Thank you all so much. And Sharon, really, thank you so much for this opportunity, particularly this week of Suicide Prevention Awareness Week. So thank you for the the chance to be here and talk to your audience. Yes, I'm very grateful. And as I was talking to a therapist friend of mine, um, none of these weeks or days, opioid, overdose day, world prevention, suicide awareness, none of these were very commonly known to me until I released my own book about mental health. And then I realized, my goodness, what a great opportunity we all have to give the much like deserved attention that we have to about suicide and how we can help prevent it. Correct? I, yeah, I agree with you 100%. And you know, it's stigma that prevents so many uh, from reaching out and getting the help that they need. So Clara, tell me about, um, you have been with the Crisis Center for the last five years, correct? Yeah. So tell me about your journey to the crisis center. Sure. I am from Tampa. I'm born and raised. I am a licensed clinical social worker and have uh, practiced um, social work in this community for over, she's opizo, close to 30 years. And during that time, I was working in the children's mental health space. And I always managed to have the honor and opportunity to work with children and families who had experienced just tremendous trauma and crisis in their lives. And being resilient individuals that they were, they developed their own coping mechanisms for how to deal with that. So by the time they came to see me, their coping mechanisms weren't working so well anymore. And so we had to work together to find some new ones. But those those new coping strategies were causing them issues, either in the education system, child welfare system, the juvenile justice system. So they were experiencing additional trauma because they never really got the help that they needed when their initial trauma or crisis happened. And so when I was able to come and be the CEO at the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay five years ago, professionally for me, it was... It was so incredibly rewarding because our mission is to ensure that no one has to face a crisis alone. And so when individuals learn about the services that we provide and feel comfortable and ready to reach out and ask for help, we're able to help them at their moment in crisis and provide them with the skills and the coping mechanisms that they're going to need to get past whatever it is that is causing them distress. Because all a crisis is a life's problem that needs a solution. So whatever that is, they're they're partnering with us and helping us uh, 
provide them with solutions to their issues and problems and hopefully get them to a better place that they can then talk about their issue, talk about their trauma, talk about their crisis without experiencing any adverse side effects from that. And that for me has been just so professionally rewarding. Now I can imagine. I have been talking so much about trauma lately because I didn't realize even for myself when I suffered from depression greatly when I was 21 years old, I had just uh, come back from a horrific blackout and ended up in another state. I was traumatized. I had so much going on in my mind that I didn't know how to process all of that trauma. And I became very, very depressed and suicidal. And if it wasn't for my dad's EAP counselor and the help of community and recovery programs and the love of my family, I probably would have never gotten through, but I never really understood how trauma is associated with all of these open wounds that we have. And yeah, and you being a part of a place where people are in crisis and can provide solutions is just, it has to be so rewarding. So Claire, can you share with the audience about yourself personally and, and why this mission in life that you have today in your career has intersected? So I, um, as I said, I am from Tampa, born and raised. My, um, my immediate family was from here as well. And my mother was a police officer with uh, Tampa uh, police department. And in, um, 1986, she took her own life using her service revolver. And so that left me as a teenager at the time um, in uh, a position where I was uh, forced into the child welfare system. And so those experiences absolutely impacted me and and led me to this journey that I have been on, um, becoming a licensed clinician and working in a variety of settings, uh, but really coming here to the crisis center where our focus is on trauma, is on crisis, is on suicide, is on rape, um, and, and coming over to the other side and working through the issues, as you so eloquently put it, Sharon, I mean, you, trauma untreated doesn't go away. It just manifests itself over and over and over again. And so to be able to be a small part in the opportunity for individuals to be able to really work through their trauma, develop the skills and coping strategies that they, that they need to get on the other side of that. Well, like I said, that's, that's not just a professional um, dream. It's been a personal one as well. Clara, let me first say I'm very, very sorry about the loss of your mom. Thank you. I will never know what that's like, but um, I do want to honor that space for you and and tell you how sorry I am. That pain never goes away. Um, I watched my mom, um, my mom's mom died on her wedding day. And um, to this day, and she's married over 50 years, you know, it's still such a painful place. um, And to know that your mom is protecting others and, um, then couldn't protect herself is heartbreaking. So I understand this mission so clearly now. And I think it is so brave of you to do what you do for a living every day. So thank you. Thank you very much. (sighs) Take a breath. (laughs) So I have a lot of police officer friends in my life. One who just called me recently and um, is also a veteran and I, I just, I keep saying in all my interviews, I, I'm hoping not to get tagged for that, you know, 
21 push-ups that everybody's doing for the better. (laughs) (laughs) One of those challenges here at the crisis center, because we work so often with veterans and we've got a new line just for first responders that are struggling with behavioral health issues. So, uh, yeah, so that, that 21 push-ups, you know, to represent the 21 suicides a day by, um, individuals, by veterans is, is very impactful. It's very impactful, and I know it's coming, so I'm preparing for it. <laughs> Every day I don't get tapped, I'm like, I have one more day to practice. One more day to practice. Awesome. But what a great um, honor it would be, of course, to do that. We joke, but we have to, and we also, we have to laugh. This is a very tough time for all of us in the world. We are in a global pandemic. We're talking about suicide prevention, suicide awareness. We have to take a breath. And we have to, at least every once in a while, joke, because if we didn't, we, we couldn't get through this. Absolutely not. And, you know, that, that we were talking a little bit before, and Sharon, about self-care, mm-hmm. being able to just, you know, take a breath, like you said, and, and find some humor in what you're, you know, what you're experiencing is so vitally important. You know, taking care of yourself um, is, is one of the cornerstones to all the work that we do here at the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay, because you can't face other people's um, trauma day in and day out if you don't first recognize what your own trauma triggers are, but then two, be able to recharge um, because you can't, you can't be with somebody in the moment unless you are emotionally and mentally ready for that. Um, and so self-care is really the way in order to be able to truly recharge your batteries every day. I can't express enough how grateful I am to be having this conversation because I work in the medical industry. So for 20 plus years, I have worked with some of the greatest healers in the world. And my biggest concern throughout is always about how are they going to take care of themselves when, you know, I ran pediatrics for eight years and I was there when every child died and I watched every doctor go to every funeral. Um, It's a lot Right, and those those traumas throughout leave these huge gaping holes. That but we have to like it's like we have to keep on going to see the next patient. We have to do the next thing. Right. And in your world, it's like being a therapist. We have one case that's so traumatic, and then another one, and then another one. So I want to ask you what that self care ritual is like. That I'm sure you are overseeing as the CEO at the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay. And you use the word ritual, and I love that word because it is something that if it's a ritual, you do it frequently or, and you practice it. Um, and so for each one of our employees, that self-care strategy looks very different. We have some individuals that are much more internal. Um, they're much more introverted. So their self-care activities are things that are going to you know, soothe their bodies and their spirits that are um, much more internal to them, whether it's reading or meditation um, or being, you know, taking a solitary walk. For those that are more external, it is, you know, engaging in, in community or, or being a part of a group, those kinds of things. And so every one of our employees, as they come on board, we explore what their self-care is. And usually for most staff on the back of their badge is their self-care plan. Because when you're in the moment and you're very stressed or you've taken 
just that call that is really weighing on your heart, you don't have time necessarily to think back to that strategy, but you do have a, a coworker um, that will help to remind you because particularly in our call center where we're taking suicide calls, we're taking calls from individuals at the top of the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. We are taking calls from individuals that have already maybe swallowed a bottle of pills. Being in that moment is very, very um, taxing and very difficult. And when you get done with that, you need a partner to help you be able to remind you of it's time, it's okay for you to take time to take care of yourself. Let's decompress, let's vent, or let's do whatever it is that's going to get you to, back to your state of equilibrium before, um, before that event happens. So that's different for everybody. Um, me personally, I am a long distance swimmer. I am, I'm more of an introverted soul. So I much prefer me too. To I much prefer to you know, get in the water and be able to swim and just kind of decompress that way. Um, but like I said, it's different for everybody. And it is, again, a practice that we really preach here at the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay for every one of our employees. Because it doesn't matter whether you're the receptionist or you're working on a transport vehicle or you're answering suicide calls. Everything that we do um, has an underlying uh, sense of that trauma and that crisis. So uh, we, we practice it um, every day. And here we are doing a Zoom interview with my dog barking in the background. But this is the world. Okay. We live in. It's the world we live in. And I love it. I say yes to the dog barking in the middle of the interview. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I'm so glad to hear that you um, are taking care of yourself as the leader and showing that um, everybody else, it's, it's okay for everybody else to follow suit. It's okay for you to talk about your mom and her passing through suicide and knowing that that is behind the mission of everything that you're doing today. You know, I, um, I bike ride. I'm an introvert as well. Nobody believes that, right? Especially when we're doing jobs like this. Right, and I, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But the last thing I want to do when I'm done is actually talk to anybody. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> let me let me just regroup a little bit, please. Yes, and it's so important. You know, I spent the entire Labor Day weekend just riding my bicycle for hours and hours on end. Ooh, that's awesome. It is awesome. Doesn't it sound fantastic? Being out in nature, um, kind of recentering myself, crying too. You know, I'm all of these conversations about suicide, about mental health, about addiction. They are taxing. They are very much so, very much so. And particularly when you're hearing about it, I mean, that vicarious trauma is real. You take that with you. And, you know, I think about our 9-1 operators and, and those individuals, you know, like our call center staff and others that may not be front and center in the, that kind of crisis and trauma, but they are internalizing it. And to some, on some uh, areas, it may even be worse because you don't have, you're sitting and you are having to attend in this moment in time and you're having that adrenaline flush and there's nothing you can do with it. Um, so it is vitally important for all of us to recognize that hearing that trauma is just as impactful as witnessing it and that we all have to you know, take the steps that we need to take in order to get, us, get ourselves ready to be able to do that work day in and day out. So take me on a virtual tour now of the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay. I'd really love to know the inner workings of how it operates, how many employees you have, what the even 
the hiring process is like. I'm quite sure it's very thorough and vigorous. So please walk us through that, Clara. Sure. So the Crisis Center Tampa Bay has been a part of our community for over 40 years. And as I said before, our mission is to ensure that no one in our community faces crisis alone. We do that in a variety of ways. We answer the 211 line here in Hillsborough County. So if you call 211, you will actually be rung right into our call center where we have individuals available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to answer 211 calls. We also answer a variety of other calls. As we mentioned before, we answer the suicide prevention helpline. So if you call 1-800-273-TALK in Hillsborough County, you actually enter into our gateway, our contact center. We have a line uh, dedicated for veterans. It's our veteran support line. And that is a statewide line that uh, veterans and their families can call if they are in crisis or are struggling in any way with any kind of transition issues or any issues in general. We, um, that line is manned by veterans because there's nothing more impactful than one veteran talking to another veteran. For the state of Florida, we also run the uh, substance abuse hotline. So anyone across the state that is struggling or has a family member struggling with alcohol or substances can call into that line and we will connect them to resources. We also have phone lines specific for uh, parents of young children. That includes a developmental screening to figure out if your child really is not quite where they should be based upon their age, or maybe you're like many parents and you just think that your child should be further along than they are. So for those families that are the what we would affectionately love to call the worried well, uh, we can give them some, um, some comfort in knowing that their child is doing very well. Um, we also have a line for teens and young adults who are struggling with maybe some homelessness or severe behavioral health challenges, um, identity issues, anything like that. Um, so we'll answer in our contact center over 100,000 calls a year. Mm -hmm. um, you can imagine COVID-19 has made things even more uh, of a challenge. And so we've actually, um, working uh, with the federal government, we have a, a hotline specific for individuals that have issues related to COVID, whether it's medical issues, financial issues, behavioral health issues, anything like that. Uh, we're part of a network of call centers across the state to address those concerns. Here, we're also our community's rape crisis center. So if you are raped or... Hey, quick interruption on this amazing podcast, but we have to tell you about our awesome sponsor, Thai Technology. They are so cool, and they're here in Tampa Bay, if you're a Tampa Bay listener. Thai Technology is the best voice over IP business phone service company out there. How do I know this? I used to work in telecom before I worked with doctors. That's right. So I know me a good phone system when I see it. Plus, they are integrated with Zoom. They are the only ones that are integrated with Zoom. And if you mention this podcast or you mention the Facebook show, they're going to hook you up with three months for free. Follow them on Facebook and on Instagram, Thai Technology Rocks. Actually assaulted in Hillsborough County. You don't go to ERs. You physically come to our location, which is at Bears in Florida. We have a full service clinic that's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's staffed with um, uh, sexual assault nurse examiners who are ARNP nurse practitioners, as well as advocates. And they work as a team together uh, to really help individuals, both men and women, through one of the most violent um, and intimate crimes that be, can, get, can be committed um, against somebody. 
and we work with individuals ages 13 and up. We process close to a suicide, uh, I'm sorry, close to a sexual assault a day. Um, a couple of weeks ago, though, we did six rape exams in a single day. So that business is um, really just depends upon what's happening in the community and how aware that the community members are, that, that assistance and support is available for our, our um, survivors of rape and sexual assault, and that those individuals don't have to go through that alone. They don't have to go to an emergency room where they would be sitting for hours and hours on end. They can come to us and we can provide them help and support. And then we also operate a trauma counseling program because everything we've been talking about has a trauma basis to it. So we have four locations that we provide both in person as well as teletherapy. So we provide between 160 and 180 therapy sessions a week. And we're certified to do young children as uh, all the way up to seniors and everywhere in between. And then just for fun, because we don't do enough around crisis around here, we run a 911 ambulance service called TransCare. And we partner with Tampa Fire Rescue to provide 911 basic life support transports for individuals who have had maybe minor car accidents, uh, illnesses, emergencies, those kinds of things. We will transport those individuals to area hospitals. Through COVID, though, we recognize that folks needed a little bit more help and support. So we've been partnering with the county to provide mobile and freestanding COVID testing in underserved communities, Sun City, Waimama specifically. And we provided over 10,000 COVID tests um, to Hillsborough County residents. So all of that. Oh, and one more thing. Um, we have a program at Tampa International Airport. Uh, it's called Traveler's Aid. And those are volunteers who work to assist travelers who are in crisis. And again, remember, a crisis is a life problem that needs an assistant, that needs a, a solution. And so we help um, on, a, on a quote unquote normal year, we'll work with about 20,000 passengers. I will tell you, um, because it was a volunteer group that when COVID was really at its height, uh, we did shut that program down, but we reopened in July and we're seeing about 300 passengers a week that need help and support in, um, in navigating their travel or, um, uh, or maybe they've had something happen while they were in travel. All of that we're able to provide help and support. So all total, we'll, we'll touch about 160,000 people a year, and we have a workforce of over 200 um, employees and another 100 volunteers. So all together, these amazing folks truly make our mission possible. And um, again, I'm so very fortunate to work here at the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay. It's really impressive. I have a selfish question to ask you. Absolutely. Are you available to help us here in Pinellas County? So for our statewide work, yes. So that which would include our veteran support line, our substance use hotline, those, um, and then the COVID lines um, are available statewide. 211 is answered um, by another organization in Pinellas County, 211 Tampa Bay Cares, another amazing organization. They answer the 211 calls. And then PIMS in Pinellas County answers the um, uh, suicide prevention helpline calls. So while we're the only ones that have this, this um, collection of services and supports, those services and supports are available in other communities, in other ways, in other communities across the state. Oh, and I just got a reminder that our first responder hotline is also a statewide hotline, so that's available across the state. Wonderful. 
I can't help but go back to the days when I was running a pediatric office and my doctors would come in and we would have discussions because they knew I was sober. Um, where could we send the kids? What do we do for the parents? Um, a lot of, there's not a lot of understanding and I'm not speaking specifically to the group that I ran because I've been working with all kinds of doctors for a long time. They don't necessarily know uh, and are not taught in school about addiction or about suicide, about mental health. You know, right. it's, it's, it's a very specific role. Mm -hmm. And as I'm sure you know, there is a, a dire lack of psychiatrists, psychologists, especially for adolescents. Mm -hmm. So um, I have always been one to offer the free resources that I know exist, of course, with 12-step recovery. Um, you know, there's, there's so many to list, right? Um, NAMI being another place to, to represent, you know, there's, there is a lot. A lot of people, though, get sent to the ER, like you mentioned, to the urgent care, like you saying, if somebody is raped, they can go to the crisis center and not go to the ER. That is huge. Yes. And it's very, very important. You know, and I, I want to just, you know, comment about what you were saying around what, you know, doctors learn in school. You know, they learn the high level overview of how the brain impacts the body, the body impacts the brain, but they don't get, unfortunately, a lot of training about how to engage and utilize community resources. Um, and so that's one of the things that we're very proud of here at the Crisis Center of Tampa Bay is 211, because 211 truly is that clear house of information and referral. So if a provider is out there in the community and, and 211 is national, so it, this happens anywhere in the, in the country, you know, somebody can call 211 and they get an accurate listing of services and resources that are available for them that are specific to them, to their situation, whether that's a geographic issue, a cultural issue, language issue, whatever it is, they connect those resources to the needs of those individuals. And yet we've been around, 211's been around since the 90s. And unfortunately, it's such a great kept secret or poorly kept secret or however you want to say that. Because, I mean, it's something that everybody should know about. 211 should be as well known as 911. And yet we still work so hard to try to get that information out into the community. So Opportunities like this are so very valuable to us so that we can talk about 211 and let folks know professionally as well as just community members. This is a resource that's available no matter where you are, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I want to um, dedicate our next interview, which we'll, we'll, we'll leave. I want to talk more deeply about COVID-19 and how the pandemic is affecting the world right now and the crisis center of Tampa Bay. Like I'm, I'm going to stay on this thing with the community not knowing so much about 211. I am wondering, as you're talking, <clears throat> who those resources are <laughs> in 211 and how do people, how do practitioners, doctors, psychiatrists, whoever it might be, get to be a part of 211? So, 211 here at Hillsborough County. Um, is about 1,500 agencies. It's um, over 2,000 different uh, resources, programs. Um, so those are maintained in a database. 
if you have a if a provider has a government contract they're required by contract to register with the with a 211 provider in their community and to update that information because that's the last thing folks want is to be given information and it's out of date or the number has changed or what have you so we we um work to get that information from providers and we also ask them to update their information for us. So if a provider out there wants to um, be a part of that 211 system, here in Hillsborough County, they can go to the crisiscenter.com and find out information and ways that we can get you registered into that data system. We will ask you some questions to make sure that you are, you know, indeed a, a, a community resource uh, that is available and to get a little bit of additional information. Once you're credentialed, um, then you will be a part of that database and you will stay within that database until you remove yourself or we get notification from a funder or whatever that you don't exist anymore. Um, so that again is available um, here in Hillsborough County. In other communities, it may be different, but a provider can call 211 and just ask the question. Um, 211 can, uh, the 211 staff, no matter where you are, if you are a provider and you wanna make sure that your information is there and accurate, they can give you the steps in your local community on how you can do that. Clara, I almost feel bad for you. I have so many questions. No, never. <laughs> so I'm, uh, you know, I t teach a course called Hospitality and Healthcare. Um, and the only reason that I did that was because I have been in the medical industry for so long and I realized how vital that person answering the phone is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They're the, the, the gateway. They're the front the door. So when I, of course, go into a, a medical facility and whatever I'm doing, if I'm restructuring it or rebranding it, whatever it is, my focus goes to the people answering the phones. Because this is the introduction to the crisis center of Tampa Bay. Exactly. Now, I, I have never called the crisis center of Tampa Bay, so I have no clue what it's like right now. But I'm curious, as you're talking, of, of what the process is for the people that are answering the phones. So for 211, um, it is, we started off by saying, you know, what a strenuous process it is. It absolutely is. I mean, we, so you know, certainly every, every person is thoroughly background checked. They're going through a level two uh, security clearance, um, you know, all sorts of clearances. But then once they get onboarded, they're going to spend approximately a month to six weeks in just training and orientation and practice and opportunities to shadow as well as being mentored in all the different calls that we take. Uh, because you've got to make sure that this is a job that you're going to be able to do. This is not easy work. And you don't know during your eight-hour shift what kind of calls you're going to receive. That's so right. <laughs> you, may, you may get eight hours of nothing but, you know, where do I go to find food? You may get back-to-back -back calls from the suicide hotline. You may get calls that um, are a mix of all of the above. So we want to make sure that every one of our staff members are trained and are ready uh, to, to do, be able to do this job, but also understanding the toll that it's going to take on them. Again, back to self-care. There's a lot of reminder and a lot of practice after you take these calls, being able to process with your supervisor and then do the self-care. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about COVID and how our, our world really pivoted with COVID. Uh, but that has, um, it's been a challenge and an opportunity as well, particularly interacting with staff. And I'm sure staff, I'm sure people uh, across your um, listening and viewing audience would probably say the same thing, that it's been uh, a blessing and a, 
and a hiccup at the same time. Sure, you know, um, I'm, very, I'm very happy that we're having this discussion <laughs> because I think it is so important, you know, I have a psychiatrist group that I'm thinking of right now that, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time just talking with the front office because the people that are calling in are in crisis. Right. So they're go they might not even be really nice, quite honestly. Oh, oh, absolutely not. I mean, and, and, and you know, folks are calling in with symptoms because yeah. they don't even know what the problem is. And that's what we tell folks, you know, could you Google our services? Yeah, you could, but you're just going to be Googling symptoms because right. you, you need to have that interaction with somebody that's trained in the evidence-based model of um, motivational interviewing to really get to the root of a problem mm -hmm. um, because otherwise you're just treating symptoms and you're just band-aiding symptoms. And it's no wonder that things really aren't getting better for you because you've never really solved the root of the problem. You know, and, and a great example was we had a veteran who called us um, who was about to lose his apartment. And so, uh, you know, we're working with him and we're talking with him and, and we asked the question, well, why is that? Yeah, because I haven't gotten out of bed in two weeks. Well, why not? Well, because I haven't been able to stop drinking vodka for two weeks. Why? Because I'm having flashbacks of being a rescue swimmer for the Coast Guard and all the people I didn't save. Oh my God. If I had just started with the, I'm struggling to pay my rent, I would never have gotten to the root of that problem, nor would I have known further in the discussion that that individual had a gun sitting right there on his bedside table. Completely. You, so again, you never know when you start these conversations where they're going to lead. And that's the importance of making sure that staff are well-trained, that they have, that they know that they have the time to be able to spend with each individual caller. This isn't about quantity. It's about quality. And it's the quality of the conversation that you're having um, so that you can get that person to that solution that they need, not just another Band-Aid for a symptom of a problem. Clara, you rock, man. So let me say that um, I want to just share something personal that I, when I went to see my EAP counselor in Manhattan many moons ago, he asked me, after asking me many questions, he asked me if I was having suicidal thoughts. And it is because of that question that I am here today. Because that's when the help begins. Right. When we get down to what's really going on with somebody, we peel back all the layers of the rent and all this other stuff. Right. Are you having suicidal thoughts? Yes. Okay, great. Let's get started. Absolutely. And that's one of the most powerful questions that any of us can ask somebody um, because it gives that individual who is struggling with those suicidal thoughts the license to be able to say yes, because now I know that you're going to be in it with me um, and that you're not afraid to hear my story, to hear what I have to say. Um, and it's, it's amazing how powerful that simple little question is. And one of the things, you know, again, this is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, you know, for those in your audience out there who have family members, who have friends, and that they've got that niggling in their belly. They've got something there that's telling them, you know what, my friend is just not right. My loved one is just not where he or she used to be. And they're, they're talking a lot about, you know, uh, that the world would be better off without them and those kinds of things. It's so important to say the words, are you suicidal? 
And if that individual says yes, there is services and help available. 211 is available. The National Suicide Prevention Helpline is available. You can do that together. You don't have to carry the weight of all of that on your shoulders. There are partners that will partner with you to get that loved one the help and support that they need. But sometimes you just have to ask that question in order to help that person really be able to take that next step. And that's to say, yes, I am. And I need help. It's the beginning of the end of isolation. It is. Absolutely. No question. Clara, we're going to do part two. I hope everybody tunes in. We're going to talk a little bit more about mental health and COVID-19. Thank you so much for joining me during this World Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. Karen, thank you so much for the opportunity. And I wish all of the, all the folks in your audience to, to be well and stay healthy. And remember, 211 is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Thank you, Clara. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a review or share it with somebody you know and care about that would benefit from listening. But more importantly, if you are thinking about advertising your business in the year 2021, sponsoring a podcast is major. 44% of people pay more attention to advertising on podcasts than any other media. And 37% agree that advertising on a podcast is actually the best way to reach them. 70% have considered a new product or service after hearing an ad on a podcast. And I'm one of those people. And this is all according to Edison Research. Don't believe me, believe the research. So if you're interested in sponsoring, give us a shout.